Welcome to another episode of In the Weeds. Um, as usual, my name is Jake, and I am joined with Anna and David. And um, real quick, Anna and David, Anna, go ahead and tell us kind of like all your credentials and all, 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 all and, and as with you, David. So, Hi, I am Anna Craycraft. I have my PhD in clinical psychology. I am a practicing psychotherapist. I also work at the Oklahoma City VA. Uh, working with primarily LGBTQ plus veterans, doing program management, stuff like that there. Um, and then I also am a co-founder of W Collective. It is a integrative mental health practice in Oklahoma City, uh, sort of connecting providers to work through issues related to um, childhood trauma. We specialize in sort of relationship-based, uh, longer-term care that focuses on the connection between mind and body. And I'm David Paff. I've got a PhD in student loans that I'm never going to be able to pay off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a PhD in counselor uh, education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and a member of, of Woven uh, Collective here with, with Anna and working with young adults, adults, um, everything across the board, depression, anxiety, problematic substance use, love working with relationships and couples, and do a lot of work also with the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I also teach at uh, Oklahoma City University and Seton Hall University in their uh, counseling programs, master's level counseling programs. Cool. All right. And uh, my name is Jake Phelps, and I run a small barbershop here in Oklahoma City. Um, I have been in the service industry for um, about 15 years now. So that's kind of a, I guess my, my list is a little shorter, you know, <laughs> but um, I always feel like I have to like make up stuff. It's like, it's like, well, okay. Anyway. All right. So Qualified to, in a different way. Yeah, I, was say, different I have way. no doubt, man, that you've got the <laughs> oh, training and qualifications, if not more than we do. Well, exactly. School of hard knocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So today we're going to be discussing addiction. And mm. so mm-hmm. um, Anna's got some stuff that she's going to kind of share with us and right. then we'll just kind of start the conversation from there. Yeah. One, one thing that really strikes me as, you know, this morning I was kind of refreshing myself on the chemical dependency statistics, uh, National Institute of Mental Health, uh, places like that, you know, obviously do surveys, try to keep a close look at all of this. And particularly the National Drug Council was noting that starting really in 2020, comparing 2019 to 2020, uh, levels of self-reported, this is the people who are co- going out of their way to report uh, self-reported chemical dependency went from like 8%, say, around in 2019 of adults reporting it upwards, you know, five, six, seven percentage points. And these are the adults who are going out of their way to report it. But what's so funny about that to me is the outsize cost uh, chemical dependency has on society. Um, the cost in the workplace. So just so you know, depression is in like, what, one in five folks? Um, that costs the workplace about $44 billion in loss in productivity, healthcare, things like that. Um, the cost of chemical dependency, which is what, 8% last time, you know, the workplace really looked at it, $246 billion a year. And that's in like, again, loss in productivity and healthcare. It's like 300 billion, just like, boom, I know. right there. Boom. <laughs> like it is so, it is such yeah. a cost to all of us. And the heartbreaking thing is too, people, we, we still want to 
partition those two out and say, mm-hmm. well, that's depression. But then right. substance use, those are people, they're, they're right. making bad decisions or right. they could just stop it. It's like, no, right. they're both mental health concerns. Oh, yeah. They're mm-hmm. both mental health issues. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, Jake, that's 300 billion right there. Yeah, 300 billion on mental health, you know? Right. That's that stigma. Yeah, and that stigma is like, well, no, 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 mm-hmm. that's that's depression, and then that's bad choices or moral default, and like, no, no. it's mental no. health, it's all mental health. Yeah, if you really looked, I mean, if you spoke and kind of surveyed those people who are, you know, costing all that money and asked them about mental health, how many of them do you think would say, like, I'm pretty happy, I'm well-adjusted, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have this substance abuse issue just totally unrelated to my mental health? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I guess that's a great point. Like you don't see the, like the high functioning, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like level-headed mm-hmm. person just dive into these like Mm-mm. really hard, like our brutal ad- addictions. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So, and is that just a day, is that generally going to be like, like alcohol, drugs, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. does that include other things like food, pornography, like mm-hmm. the, the other kind, no. kind of like other, I guess vice type things that, that, that I think of whenever I think of addiction. No, this was just looking at, I mean, the primary culprit is alcohol, but mm. I think the last stat I looked at was like 74% of those reporting a substance abuse issue said it was alcohol. So mm. it's primarily alcohol at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the next is opioid abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, the next is marijuana abuse. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what's impacting them. And mm. in, in, I've seen cannabis really get underreported. Mm-hmm. and yeah because mm-hmm. there's that idea well it's because i'll ask people or any and i you know i'll call it problematic substance use any right. problematic substance use and cannabis because they don't lump it in there with that there's that thing well it's natural it's this it's that and it's like well no it can still be problematic oh, it can absolutely. still get right. in the way and i think these stats are always low too mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. again to go back to that stigma who wants to self-report I'm breaking the law or who wants to self-report that, you know, it's something that I'm going to get judged for or looked down Mm -hmm. on. So that's another heartbreaking thing is, is we still, we probably just know the tip of the iceberg on this. And it's probably a lot worse than what we, what we know statistically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the hidden, the hidden cost. Right. Are there, are there like, and this is kind of a, a stretch, but like, are there numbers or, people doing surveys in that like once society hits a certain like threshold for substance abuse it kind of just like collapses <laughs> so far i have not seen that okay um yeah i think that i don't think people are willing to really look at that yeah. honestly I, I think the the sense that i've gotten is that you know these these national centers for health to kind of combat drug abuse substance abuse mm-hmm. you know all of these they're doing the best they can. Yeah. But I don't know that the political will is there to really fund the research necessary, the mm-hmm. interventions that are necessary, the prevention that's necessary. Mm-hmm. It all feels so reactive to me. Right. Um, like we're behind the behind the curve. Yeah. Right. And a lot of money because when we think about also problematic substance use, we think of illicit. We think of stuff, um, for lack of better terms, that, that folks are getting like, you know, illegally or under the table. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of money in opioids, you know, mm-hmm. it, pharma- pharmacologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in alcohol. And mm-hmm. um, one of the more telling stats to me is that we're re- really hit a critical mass is, I mean, depending on what statistics you look at, Oklahoma is the opioid overdose capital of you know the united states if not the world right now per capita right. mm-hmm. so how many people are actually dying 
from this. Right. But again, we're not really, I mean, we know that, but we're not really, mm-hmm. again, we're just going to usher them away to prison cells or mm-hmm. treatment right. centers and isolate them. And mm-hmm. so, Jake, to go back to you, I, I think that's probably one of the more telling stats is just how many people are, you know, dying and succumbing yeah. to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because like that's the, because there's probably a lot of people who like, you know, weekend warrior kind of, you know what I mean, like thing, but then like it kind of spirals into this like, like a, just like a little heavier, a little harder, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then like death is the ultimate, right? Like, right. like, like it leads to this thing that like we don't deal with well around here, exactly. you know what I mean? And, and or I guess just I think within our society, you know. Mm-mm. And so, hmm, man, no. that's super gnarly. It is, and I think the U.S. from all the stats I've looked at, the U.S. is uniquely um, problematic in this area. Hmm. Like you don't see these same kinds of statistics in other particularly other like what they call developed nations like you don't see this in western europe you don't see Mm. this in canada yeah to the same degree right it's particularly bad here huh yes so so there's something about the framework in which we're functioning in that is like Mm -hmm. encouraging this you know like the the, these types of behaviors right well i i i think so i mean (laughs) we uh we had a war on drugs yeah. You know, we had a war on mental health, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, what if we yeah. said we had a war on depression right. or a war on anxiety or right. a war on, you know, getting into an argument with your spouse, you know, it, right. and all these things. But no, we had a war on drugs in driving this stuff underground. And, right. you know, I really think we, we, we like to look at problems with substance use from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And let's use fear and let's use um, punishment mm-hmm. to try, not treatment, right. but fear and punishment and control. Yeah. But let's also allow direct-to-consumer advertising right. for opioids. Let's allow right. direct-to-consumer advertising for medications to treat the um, fallout, like opioid uh, bowel syndrome. Right. You know, and so yeah. it comes from the top down. There's a great documentary on Netflix about um, uh, the, the crack ec- uh, epidemic mm-hmm. back in the 80s and mm-hmm. just how much of that you know, was racially... And eth- mm-hmm. ethnically motivated by governments, municipalities, mm-hmm. law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think the way that we've approached it from the top down has been a lot of the problem as opposed to the bottom up like mm-hmm. we like to do it. And I think our approach is all wrong Yeah, in this country and in this culture about it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so so if it's all wrong, what would be some like, so to, to just to kind of give people context, if, if we flipped that and if we flipped the narrative, Mm-hmm. what like how would that play out like, like like what would that and we can just like brainstorm here and this is all like mm-hmm. la la like thinking right. you know what i mean but right. like like a, like a mm-hmm. kind of a hope for a better tomorrow conversation right. you, know, you know what i mean right i i think um i guess my answer would be two part to that first would be instead of reacting be proactive mm. and, and don't just be proactive in this bottom-up approach like you know, like the war on drugs was, mm-hmm. you know, don't do drugs, basically, yeah. was the proactive, you know, mentality on that war, as opposed to addressing the root cause. Mm-hmm. Why? And, and much of that is systemic. You know, why are illicit drugs? Why is alcohol so readily available to people who tend to be more vulnerable to it? Mm-hmm. Is it these direct to consumer advertising Employees? Is mm-hmm. it the kind of system of hopelessness and despair mm-hmm. that can exist when when people live with poverty, when people live with kind of these adverse childhood experiences? You know, all of these things I think are the the root causes, and many of them systemic, mm-hmm. to the problematic substance use we're seeing. 
but that would take quite an investment of time, quite a sort of sea change in terms of how we approach it at this point. Because mm-hmm. at this point, it's like, you know, put them in prison, put them in treatment, right? You know, and then monitor, as opposed to like mm. let's address, you know, the mental health concerns, the long-term kind of um, problematic hopelessness in terms of the future, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, right. And you know, a lot of what we assumed and we approached substance use, you know, mm-hmm. we're using some antiquated studies of, hey, let's put some rats and mice into a cage. Right. Here's water and then here's water with like uh, cocaine or opioids in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the rats keep going and, and they're just, they're in they're in their isolated cage, nothing else, and they just keep going to, right. you know, the, t- the water with the substances in it. And then mm-hmm. they overdose and die. And they're like, okay, well, that's what happens. You, you have a chemical, mm-hmm. you're going to take the chemical and you're going to lose control and then you're going to die. Well, Dr. Alexander comes along and like, I think it was, I don't know if you heard of that, the, the rat park studies, I think it was in the 70s. Yes. And Dr. Alexander's like, well, why don't we, why don't we do the same thing? Let's have the water and then the water with the substances in it. But instead of isolating the rats and mice, why don't we bring them all together and give them food in the cage, cheese? Let's give them other rats, you know, mm-hmm. let's let them, you know, let's let them have some fun, procreate, play around with each yeah. other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let's kind of make it more of a less sterile environment. Yeah. What they found was none of the rats overdosed. In fact, most of the rats preferred the regular water as opposed to the water with the substances in it. Whoa. And so what, you know, Dr. Alexander's come along and saying, well, you know, it's not just substance person takes it, loses control. What's in their environment? What's going wrong? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, that's just rats. Well, no, they also observed Vietnam veterans coming back mm-hmm. who upwards of 20% had been wow. using opioids. Yeah. They come back. Sure. The ones who had the connections, the other things in their life, they just stopped. Yeah. They didn't need treatment. And so what we do is, is we take someone with a problematic substance use thing or, or um, issue and we isolate them. Mm-hmm. We throw them in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, biggest provider of mental health and substance use services in the state of Oklahoma, prisons and jails. Yeah. <laughs> right. so that's, that's national. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and it's horrible. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. And then, or we, we isolate them in, um, um, treatment centers right. or, or controlled environments. And then mm-hmm. we cut them loose and we monitor. I mean, right. you were so right there. And we monitor them. And, and really, so, so we need to look at the research is showing is substance use is not a problem of morality. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem of bad decisions. It's a mental health problem. It's a problem with we're struggling with coping with being present in our lives and we are struggling to connect. Whether we've been through, like Anna, you mm-hmm. said, trauma. Mm-hmm. The ACEs, we're having a difficulty connecting with ourselves, mm-hmm. our world, and our environment. Okay, so say that, one more, like, say that one more time from mm-hmm. the beginning of the statement where you were having just couple, we're, we're having mm-hmm. a hard time dealing with reality. Yes. And we're so trying to cope, yeah. We're trying to cope. We're trying to cope. We're, we're having a hard time being present. We're mm-hmm. having a hard time connecting with the world and other people, and we're just trying to cope with it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and whether it's trauma that's gotten in the way, whether it's a lack of access, mm-hmm. whether it's a you know, lack of being able to open ourselves up and trust it, and we're just trying to cope with the discomfort of, of being present and connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And no better case study than what's going on in Portugal right now. Okay, so let's talk about that. because um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Anna. No. So Portugal, horrible problem with, with substance. I think 1% of the population... Um, was uh, very strongly addicted to, to problematic substances. And I forget how long ago it was. It was, it was uh, five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer now. They legalized everything. Okay. I mean, they, they, they decriminalized substance use. And they okay. said, and they also, because they were following the American model mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. punish, 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 war, fear. Mm-hmm. 
and it wasn't working. And yeah. so they got doctors, researchers together, and they said, okay, decriminalize. Mm -hmm. And instead of just locking people away in substance use and monitoring, mm -hmm. you know, like you're talking about, it was, let's also get them socially connected. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's, um, if, mm -hmm. let's get them jobs. Let's get them job training. Let's mm -hmm. say we're going to pay half of their first year salary, mm -hmm. you know? And people are like, oh, that's so expensive. Well, just think of how much money we're spending. Think how many, I forget the percentage of folks that are incarcerated for drug offenses in the state of Oklahoma. Like, mm -hmm. if you took all that money for incarceration mm -hmm. and put it into treatment and rehabilitation, and what they're finding in Portugal, everything has plummeted. Overdoses have plummeted. Whoa. Treatment has plummeted. And so, again, it's a top-down problem, yeah. not a bottom-up mm -hmm. problem that, that we're mm -hmm. seeing. And so, if anyone has any doubts about the decriminalization of substances, mm -hmm. just take a look at Portugal. Yeah, it is because it's like when I hear stuff like that, it's like, wow, that sounds like pretty radical. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just to like, all right, okay, from like the hardest heroin to like methamphetamines mm -hmm. to, and because like I think in Oklahoma, we do see how brutal methamphetamine and, mm -hmm. and, and, and opioids are and like the logical conclusion of those things. And so to, it does paint this picture of this like, scary world you know what i mean yeah. where right. like meth heads are like riding around mad max style you know what i mean like no, taking no, over 7-elevens right. you know right. which obviously is isn't happening well, in, no, in portugal treatment you know? is important though it's the kind of treatment that that they get though and that that's the caveat mm -hmm. so it's it yeah it's not just oh decriminalize and it's it's you know do whatever it's no let's decriminalize yeah let's take that money that we were using for fear and punishment right and put that into socialization and connection and learning coping yeah mechanisms and a lot of times i think what you're talking about with you know we say folks on math mm -hmm. um it's because again we're isolating them mm. you know we're pushing them to the fringes yeah. of society and isolating right. them and because you know i i have i've had clients tell me david do you know how hard it is for me to come in to counseling and tell you i am breaking the law <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm breaking, but you're right. telling me you're not going to tell anyone, but right. how the hell can I trust you? Because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I might just be another meth head to you because that's what I am sure. to society. And so right. just how hard it is for folks to, so even just the thought of what if we decriminalized it, what's that going to do to those statistics, to right. people finding and looking for help? Mm -hmm. and, because it's, I can't imagine how scary it is mm -hmm. to come into an office of me. And, and me, you know, not only that, you know, for a lot of folks, I, I'm a poster child for white privilege to come into me and sure. say, oh, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm using substances. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, no, you can trust me. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Huh. Yeah. So, so usually, is there like a general like process that you guys see when like from start to like, okay, not functioning? You know, like, like, is there like a point of trauma? Is there, you know, mm -hmm. and I figured maybe we might talk about that a little bit. So if mm -hmm. people are, who are listening, like might be having, you know what I mean? Like right. might be, a, is there a spectrum of addiction, you mm -hmm. know? Absolutely. And then, and then like, at what point does someone need to like say, Hey, this is not working well for me. I need to figure something else out. You right. Know? Right. Uh, well, I think the way that I would kind of think about that is, it's pretty personal okay. to different people. Okay. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the VA tries to kind of identify, like, here are the four ways you can say that your substance abuse is a problem. Okay. Um, and and those have some validity, some, some usefulness to them. But I think at the same time, just kind of acknowledging that, I think for every person, like, if you're binge shrinking on the weekend and mm -hmm. it is absolutely making your Mondays horrible – if you are drinking alone every night and mm -hmm. you're not spending any time with your social community, mm -hmm. if you are 
you know, a service industry person mm-hmm. and you are in that kind of work hard, play hard right. space right. where, you know, you get off at 12, 1, 2 a.m. and you drink yourself to sleep, get up at, you know, 11 a.m. and start all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think all of those kind of fall to my mind in the range of problematic substance use. Okay. I think it takes a, um, it, it takes a, a good look at yourself, okay. I think, and, and what's impacting you. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say like seven drinks per week for women, okay. 10 to 14 for men is sort of the cutoff. Anything more than that is problematic alcohol use. That feel, And like, so the 20, like, so I've kind of reduced my mm-hmm. alcohol, mm-hmm. like just use mm-hmm. and that 14 drinks feels like a lot of drinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yes, like, like, like now, now that I'm kind of like, uh, I'm just in a mm-hmm. phase in life where I'm not drinking as much. Mm-hmm. It feels like, wow, like that feels like an mm-hmm. insane amount of alcohol. Yes. But I guess yes. it's, I guess it's pretty average. Like, I'm sure you look at other countries too. And right. like, like, mm-hmm. like Germany, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like Eastern Europe where, right. you know, you get into like parts of Greece where, you know what I mean? Like, like, right. where like wine is a thing, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I it's, that's so the objective nature of that, like 14 is the mm-hmm. number that's never sat well with me. I prefer okay. the more social determinants of yeah. concern, okay. like yeah. have people in your life mentioned to you that you're con- they're concerned with the way you're using substances, alcohol mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, in the morning, do you notice that you need an eye opener just to be able to kind of make it work around your coworkers? You know, yeah. are you putting something in your coffee? Right. Like those I think are a little bit more useful to me than like the, the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're programmed to connect mm-hmm. and it's almost like, I love the theory and I look at it when we have problem addictions in general, mm-hmm. problematic be- behaviors, whether it's substances or gambling, you know, is it getting in the way, like Anna's talking about, of your ability to connect with other people? Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that correlates most to healthier, happier lives. Right. Are we using that? Are we connecting to that because we're having a hard time connecting to our world into right. people, into being present, is are, are people in our lives telling us this is a problem, mm-hmm. or you know that's one of the first things I ask someone in my office when when we're talking about addictive behaviors is, tell me about your relationships, tell me about the nature of those, mm-hmm. you know, tell me about you know because you you mm-hmm. form a relationship, mm-hmm. you're going to fight and defend mm-hmm. and stick up for and rationalize that addiction like you would yeah. a partner yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. You're going to do a lot of unhealthy things to protect that. Uh, that piece, you're going to spend a lot of time and money, you know, yeah. you're going to get dependent mm-hmm. on it. You're, you're, you're going to need more and more of it. You know, it's, it's just like a really unhealthy relationship. And so, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you have unhealthy relationships or a lack thereof, or just, you don't have relationships that yeah. I think that's like mm-hmm. Anna's talking about. That's a great litmus test is tell me about your connections mm-hmm. and your connection to the world. Mm-hmm. You so and and at what point would you consider it like someone is like actually addicted to something? But I guess you just said you just said that because it's 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 wildly nuanced based mm-hmm. on right. people's, you know what I mean, just how they're functioning. I guess right. There's like the the physical dependence <clears throat> piece is one way people talk about it. Like, okay. do you like does your body actually need this yeah. substance, or else you go into some sort of withdrawal or or long, long-term period of detox. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one way to look at it. But then other people say like, you know, maybe you can go seven days without drinking, but every time you drink, you binge drink to the point of blackout. Right. You know, that's not good either. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah but, but mm-hmm. I guess those are two ra- mm-hmm. radically different experiences, right. but both are, are mm-hmm. really unhealthy. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, th- I think that's why this idea that we can somehow 
fight a war mm-hmm. on on a substance is yeah. so misguided because people approach them so differently based again on their environment mm-hmm. on how they use it right and um, some people use it instead of relationships some people use alcohol or another substance to facilitate having mm. friendships mm-hmm. so how do you address those wildly different patterns of use you yeah know? right yeah because clinically correct me if I'm wrong and clinically we get mm-hmm. so caught up in are you building dependence are right. you building tolerance right Exactly. You know, and are you, mm-hmm. you know, and then we get into like, are you risk taking behaviors and are you, mm-hmm. I can go down the list in the DSM. Um, right. But yeah, it's, I think it really is a connection thing and mm-hmm. it really is a coping thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I work with folks with problematic substance uses, what are you having, what are you trying to cope with? What do you, what emotional mm-hmm. thing going on, relationship thing going on? And like you said, the war, that's the heartbreaking thing is, mm-hmm. is, well, if connection's the problem, declaring war on it, well, you're just further isolating and pushing them. To, you're yeah. further perpetuating the problem. Right. You're trying to scare the shit out of people, and, you, and you're trying to punish them mm-hmm. um, when what they need is the opposite. They need right. support. They need mm-hmm. to feel connected. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're just mm-hmm. making the problem worse. You're just you're. It's like gremlins, man. You're just throwing water on them. Right. 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 You know, the, the, the Portugal thing is interesting to kind of circle back to it, my, um, my wife works in homelessness and mm-hmm. the Homeless Alliance here in Oklahoma City, they've actually started, um, a couple of years ago, they have what's called SROs and they're, um, it's a housing first model. Mm-hmm. And the housing first model, it's like, so they'll, they, they get them in housing, they get them with like kind of on meds, regular food, mm-hmm. you know, social worker, kind of get them adjusted and they can still use substances freely, you know what I mean? Like within these, with on this compound on, on their campus, but that like drug use almost plummets mm-hmm. wow. like almost immediately to where it's like, they might be using a hard, you know what I mean? Like some hard substance, let's say five, six, seven times a week opposed to like, it might be twice a week. Wow. And, and you know what I mean? And, and then as they progress in the program, it almost becomes the addiction almost becomes like a non-issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like right. a, it's just like a, like a, it's just like manifesting itself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In a way from like all these yeah. other peripheral things, mm-hmm. like similar to you know, I guess kind of how how we had discussed earlier. Right. right. In, in in the idea is is well, oh no, that's some would say that's the, that model doesn't work though, Jake, because we need abstinence. We need abstinence it's, right away. Yeah. You need to go cold turkey, and it's right. like no, that's another falsehood. Mm-hmm. In this is. You don't have to have abstinence. You can have yeah. harm reduction models. Needle mm-hmm. exchange programs right. help. Right. You know? Right. You know, not everyone who has a problematic substance use problem with alcohol needs to stop alcohol altogether. There can mm-hmm. be harm reduction models. It's like this mm-hmm. this abstinence standard, again, top down further perpetuates mm-hmm. um, the issue. And, and I don't know how you feel about abstinence, but I, I I I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, it works for some, don't get me wrong. Sure. Sure, but man, this this painting with a wide brush just is, I think, just as detrimental. I don't oh, know how you feel. Absolutely, and and I think what we see, like you know, Vancouver, mm-hmm. Canada, I think, is one of the most closely studied spaces that has this harm reduction okay. model of needle exchange for heroin users. Okay. So they have all of these centers where heroin users are explicitly invited. And, you know, the word gets put out, like, come here, mm-hmm. do what you're doing with a clean needle yeah, so that we're not seeing this rampant spread of, you know, things like HIV yeah, among people who are sharing needles, you right. know, all of these other problems that arise that, of course, lead to horrible health outcomes, but also mm-hmm. like just the cost on 
everything goes up. Yeah. You know? And, and what we see there is that, yes, it's an incredibly difficult, like, change of mentality from this abstinence idea. Like, we're, we're bringing these people in and we're handing them a clean needle so that they can shoot up again. Yeah. You know, that, that's, I think that was incredibly hard for healthcare workers mm-hmm. at the beginning. But then over time, they begin to see that what's happening is this long-term change. Yeah. It's this proactive, relationship-based this, this person's going to keep coming in, keep mm-hmm. wanting new needles, and over time may have this kind of impulse of, this feels good here. Mm-hmm. This is a space where I feel connected to my healthcare providers, connected to other people, mm-hmm. where I can actually ask for help when I'm ready for it. Yeah. And so I think it, it's much more like how people work in mm-hmm. general. People don't make these overnight changes, which is, I think, part of what abstinence sort of requires. You yeah. know, this overnight change from problematic use to no use at all. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. You need this long-term, over time, all of your environment has the opportunity to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't take into account also the very real biological markers right that come with substance use because again the moral model of substances it's poor decision making not true Mm -hmm. it's there's also biological markers that make Mm -hmm. just stopping cold turkey incredibly difficult if not dangerous exactly (laughs) yeah in some Mm -hmm. cases um you know stopping cold turkey alcohol depending on how you are Without medical, can kill you. Yeah, the DTs. Xanax, same way. Yeah. You know, and benzodiazepines. And so, yeah, the cold turkey abstinence model. mm. It's horrible. It it, it is. Because this is a very biological thing, too. Right. Exactly. And and I can even think of my personal life. You know, there was a time in my life where I was drinking a lot and didn't actually realize how much I was drinking and then realized how much I was drinking. And and it wasn't a cold turkey thing, Mm -hmm. but it was like, okay, I need to make some changes. Mm -hmm. And then over the next like six months, uh, I, you know what I mean? I I did a couple of like, I went to therapy for a little bit. I went to a couple of meetings actually, like Mm -hmm. AA meetings. Oh yeah. And realized like, oh, I just need to dry out. You you know what I mean? Like a little bit, (laughs) like, and that like, okay, like this doesn't have me wrangled as hard as it does these other people around me you know um Mm. like like within these meetings like Mm -hmm. and i remember this this guy saying like he he saw like a a bud light advertisement and he like boom Mm. like 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 that's what triggers it so it's like the guy can't even like drive down may you know or (laughs) or drive by a gas station you know without having this like impulse or this like urge you know and so It's got this grip. Yeah, and that's yeah. not that's not just a dis- I mean that yeah. I mean that, mm-hmm. that that's a socialized biological right. thing yes. also going yeah. on too. Yeah. yeah. It and, is this behavioral training. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then yeah. And so man, that's so fascinating. Right. Um since 2020, I mean, have you guys seen like are are people like oh, like yes. talking about like hey, I'm, you know, like like I'm, I might be using this a little mm-hmm. more like, mm-hmm. like, are they willing to share that? Are they, did they, you know what I mean? Like, did they kind of skirt it in about session four or five? It's like, oh, you're, <laughs> you're like, this is why all this stuff is happening. Uh, well, I don't know what you would say, David, but mm-hmm. my experience in that has been kind of what you're talking about, where people who were already kind of experiencing problematic substance use, yeah, that may have gone up, mm-hmm. but there was something about being quarantined mm-hmm. where you're on your own, maybe you're with your partner, your kids, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Where a lot of people who would like maybe drink once a week, all of a sudden started buying a lot more alcohol to have around yeah. the house or, 
you know, applied for their marijuana card. And I'm not saying that that's always a problem. Sure, sure. But all of a sudden you see the kind of solitary, isolated substance abuse, substance use, not even abuse, substance mm-hmm. use go way up in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and think about it. You're coping with this massive, you know, global stressor. Right. You're isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, you're bored. What do you have yeah. to do? Yeah. You it's know? like, well, <laughs> I don't have any responsibility right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're working from home if you're working at all. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, man, all of the conditions were there to really to take people from maybe a, a more kind of healthy, infrequent substance use mm-hmm. to really slowly start to see it rise. And that's what I heard over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree because I've, I've seen a, a rise too and people were feeling the two number one things I saw because I used to work in the drug courts okay. with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I used to, you know, and, and I worked in community mental health mm-hmm. uh, out in Canadian County, saw a lot of okay. methamphetamine. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so this is just my compartmentalized experience, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty wide sample. Right. Um, two number one things I saw uh, that people struggled with um, was problematic substance use or relapse was boredom. Mm-hmm. And lack of connection, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what people have struggled with. That I've seen clients through this pandemic is I'm I'm feeling bored and I'm feeling disconnected. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so yeah, and I I, I agree mm-hmm. um, that there has been an increase. Now, Jake, to answer your question, you said you know when did people kind of start to talk about it or get mm-hmm. around to it? I think a lot of that's going to be on us in in the helping exactly. field. Okay, mm-hmm. in our attitude, I I, mm-hmm. I tell clients up front. You know, and, and we have our intakes, and we ask mm-hmm. those questions, and we see our markers, and clients will kind of drop. I, I'll see if they'll drop hints a lot of times. They're mm-hmm. testing me to see how am I going to react. I find right. They want to they want to see I'm a safe place, and that's on yeah. me to not only pick up on that but establish that. But I'll tell clients, and, and I get some eyebrows raised because I'll mm-hmm. teach my students this. I'll say it's not my job to get you off of substances. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why the hell am I here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Right. Paff, yeah. why are we learning how to treat substance use? Because that creates that power struggle. Yeah. You know, I can't, if I could make someone come off substances, I'd be the best damn therapist in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not my job, yeah. you know? Right. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? It takes one because the light bulb's got to want to change. Right. I tell them, my job is to support you and help you make a decision that's going to be best for you to help with the insight piece to create mm-hmm. a safe environment. I'm not here to judge you. I'm yeah. not here to tell you that you're wrong, messed up, screwed up, effed up. I'm just here to help you see that there's more options mm-hmm. than what we're taught, than what we see, than what we feel. And so it's creating that safe environment to where they can come and they can be them and they can figure, you know, have this, have me help them figure out what's best ultimately for them. So mm-hmm. my attitude as a clinician, that's, that's the bigger piece yeah. there. And how do I, and I, and I don't know mm-hmm. how you feel about but creating that safe environment. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it almost like it pr- provides a space for people to pick up and try out different tools. Absolutely. You know what exactly. I mean? Like to, to where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, here, here's a new tool bag. Mm-hmm. Like yours are dull or not working or right. dated, mm-hmm. you know, and, yep. and now like here's like a, a shopping spree of like, <laughs> yes. hey, like let's. Let's yeah. see if this works. Let's see right. if this works. Let's see if this works. And 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 kind of going back to like dealing with reality, right? Mm-hmm. Your your your, mm-hmm. your goal is to help people deal with reality and not mm-hmm. have to have assistance in that. Yeah. Right. And I see, you know, us as clinicians, man, we 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 gotta we gotta challenge our biases and what we've been taught some really messed up stuff. Not about met, just mental, you know, sure. substance use, mental health. Yeah. You go back to what was it, Reefer Madness, that movie yeah. back oh in the thirties. Yeah. If wow. people haven't seen it. I think it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Check it out. You know, oh, marijuana is going to basically turn you into this psychotic 
cannibal horrible <laughs> yeah yeah right uh right. Not, not quite yeah. yeah and so we have yeah. to as clinicians challenge our biases mm-hmm. in in stuff and, and we've all been touched by substance use oh yeah you know yep my father opioid overdose mm. and so i had my biases right mm-hmm. and i had to challenge those in 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 kind of you know again it's not my my job is to support is to see those options to help see right. reality, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I just start in, and if, if if you're battling with substance use and you go in to see a counselor on day one, they're like, "You got to stop, and we're going to get you off it." Are you really going to want to? I wouldn't want to deal with that shit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And like, even with like the ideas of around marijuana, like like I grew up not using marijuana, you know, never really had like I grew up in the country, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So like, it wasn't mm-hmm. really like pills like stealing pills from your parents were like more of a th- you know what i mean like mm-hmm. felt more like my friends were into um mm-hmm. but like i'm in 20 early 2020 before the pandemic i got my card my, my medical card and i had mm-hmm. all these like kind of presuppositions that i thought you know right and then like it's actually worked out really well for me though and, and 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 not and it's not like and i know it's not for everybody and it's wildly nuanced and it's all the things but it allowed me to sleep you know mm-hmm. what i mean it, it allowed me to like right. Like I've lost like almost fifty pounds. I'm, wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like. The, there's all these like little things that it's like, oh, that's a healthy thing. Like, that's right. good. That's good. You know. <laughs> yes. But I do feel like wildly paranoid all the time, and it, probably mm. some of it is the THC. But it's also <laughs> like I'm in my head about it because mm-hmm. it is like, well, like, am I about to spiral into chaos? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, like. At what point am I going to start seeing these like negative repercussions in my life because right. of this thing? Right. And, and it's been so far, it's been pretty good. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can't really. Yes. And so I have to like deal with like my experience based on what people have told me, you know. And we start the guilt and shame. And, yeah. and, and I wonder how much we, we talk about the, the difficulty having insight mm-hmm. with, with problematic substance use. Well, yeah. how much of that is guilt and shame yeah. reacting to our environment? And again, mm-hmm. I'm going to go into this therapist and they're going to guilt and shame me too. And they're going right. to, you know, so... Yeah, Jake, I think that's a great example, man, of just some of the problems we have with, because we also have this idea of all substance use is wrong. That's why I love the term yeah. problematic mm-hmm. substance use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because we like to pick and choose, you know, caffeine. Mm-hmm. Not all that different on the brain than cocaine on the dopamine levels. Man. Mm-hmm. It's just not to the same extent and it's sure. more acceptable. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so in alcohol, it's so, you know, it's interesting. Alcohol probably a little more destructive than like cannabis well <laughs> but it's more acceptable no it, it, and, and, oh, and exactly because it's like my alcohol use is almost like like i have like a beer and half and i'm like oof, man i'm like bloated <laughs> and like feel gross is and uncomfortable yeah like i'm yeah. not uncomfortable like i get sweaty you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's, it's like mm-hmm. all these things and i'm like man this is no longer you know what i mean right. like like and and i i, I, I there's definitely been times in my life where i've used it you know what i mean like in really problematic ways but I don't know. It's just like a weird. Yeah. Substance is weird. And, substance and abuse or it is. problematic substance, substance it's abuse so is weird. weird. And, and mm-hmm. that's what I think what we're going to find with marijuana, just like, just like with opioids, like when they are used as a tool, mm-hmm. they are incredibly effective. I don't yeah. know what you think about mm-hmm. that, David, but what mm-hmm. you're talking about, Jake, where it's like marijuana is a tool for mm-hmm. me. It's not a way to cope. It's not a way to yes. avoid. Yeah. It's not something I use in place of relationship or in place of these healthier patterns that I want. It's actually just a tool to help me towards those. Yeah. That is such a different mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think the same can be said with opioids. I see it with veterans I work with who are like, Mm. 
also quite paranoid about getting on anything hard, you know? Yeah. They see Oxy coming their way because they have this chronic, you know, back pain that's not going away. Right. Their doctor's like, please consider this. And they're like, no, 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 Yeah. I know what Oxy does. I'm not interested. I've seen the rea- I've seen the logical conclusion of that, right? Yes, yes. And instead, and when their doctors can tell them like, no, this is a tool mm-hmm. and we are helping you with this. You yeah. know, you're, you're using this in a community of providers mm-hmm. who are watching you closely, not to judge you, not to, to label you, right. but to help you, hmm. you know? Well, like therapy, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to foster dependence on me as a therapist. Anna, mm-hmm. you, yeah, we, we don't want our clients to be dependent on us. We sure, want our right. clients to see us as a tool as right. in you know, whether we're talking about SSRIs, mm-hmm. we're talking about cannabis, opioids, mm-hmm. is if they're used as a tool and as an adjunct and not something that right. is primary. You know, mm-hmm. it's finding that balance in between. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to go complete. You know, I, I love that model of substance use that talks about, you know, we, we used to think it was an overactive reward center. Now they're mm. saying it's maybe an mm. underreactive, mm. like a mm-hmm. lack of dopamine receptors. Hmm. And sometimes we we might need, you know, some medication, some medical help, because we do have a very real organic marker to this thing. And exactly. so, yeah, I think finding that happy medium in the middle managed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said team of providers, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yep. And And for some people, that's like, you know, talking to people about how I'm using marijuana, you know, mm-hmm. just sharing with them. Yep still on the same amount, still just using it to sleep or to manage, Mm -hmm. you know, anxiety in these specific ways. I haven't had to up it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not using it more than I thought I would. It's just kind of staying in that same place for me. Exactly what we want. And it's funny because it's like, like I use my wife as that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like when I say out loud how much I'm using Mm -hmm. at night, it just makes like all the like weird... Like my nervousness around it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Exactly. It, it kind of like goes away because it's it feels like right. I don't know if it's like this idea of like confession is it, it, like a like you're just mm-hmm. saying it out loud or like mm-hmm. well, I don't know what that is there, but there does seem to be something about like just mm-hmm. saying how much you're using out loud. It's like oh yeah, I'm, that's like and because when I, more often than not, when I say it out loud, it's like that's so normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is like so not that's problematic. Minimal. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. I'm guessing it feels less shameful, less guilty, totally. yeah. less stigmatized. Yeah. Well, cause especially, and, and she's, I'm very, very lucky uh, for my wife because she's a social worker. And the way she responds to me is probably a lot how she responds to a lot of her clients. But it's it's, it's in a very like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, mm-hmm. how does that make you feel? How does that, you know what I mean? Like, like do you yeah. find that you're having problematic? And it's like, no, no. And it's like, oh, okay, well. Who cares? You know what I mean? You know, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It just feels like it deflates it, you know? It does. Mm-hmm. In, in this weird way. Mm-hmm. I agree. It works. It's, we'd be out of a job. I <laughs> know. But it works. Saying I it out know. loud. But there's also, it probably takes a level of intimacy and connection. Right. With your wife, mm-hmm. too. And presence. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, man. I, I think that's part of the reason why Portugal mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said Vancouver. I think mm-hmm. that's where Dr. Alexander might have been from. He did the Rat mm-hmm. Park studies. I believe it. So, yeah. that I, I think that's a... Jake, a great demonstration of just the power of not being isolated with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and looking back, I do realize that, like, man, like, the times that, like, like when I was drinking a lot, I was wildly isolated. You know, like, I was just on, like, an island, you know, mm-hmm. just in my head, you know, right. and, right. and and it's hard for me because I'm, like, I, I have customers every day and clients, so I, and I consider those my, a lot of my clients are long term, so we have like right. like long term relationships. You know what I mean that we've built up over mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine years sometimes, and so it just to kind of see, 
like I didn't feel like I was isolated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's mm-hmm. like I had this kind of like weird outlet. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. like I can like you had that connection. I had this connection. You know what I mean? But I sometimes I think about what if I didn't have those connections and those like exactly. those like stronger relationships in my life, like my wife. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think of like a couple really close friends of mine, mm-hmm. um, my parents. Even you know, if I didn't have those. I'd probably be like a pretty isolate. I'd probably be way more addicted to anything than I, I know. Like, like it, it seems like that. Like I think my depths would, my depths would be deeper. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. Uh, of addiction, if I didn't have these like anchors, you know, of like, yeah. and and I don't know if it's like a of, and I don't know if it's like because I feel a weight of responsibility for these people. You know what I mean, or like at least I accountability. At least account yeah. accountability is the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah not responsibility, yeah. but accountability. Yeah. yeah. Well, and your needs are met. I, I love that theory that after food and water, the most important human need is connection. Mm-hmm. You know, that's William Glasser talks about that, but it's mm-hmm. the research is te- teaching us that, the Harvard Happiness Study. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, your needs are met for that. And the number one protective factor is social supports, man. I mm-hmm. mean, that's at, after we work on insight when I'm helping someone with problematic substance use, after we work mm-hmm. on that insight piece, mm-hmm. love motivational mm-hmm. interviewing, by the way, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, quick plug oh, yeah. for that. Okay. Um, then it's, Let's let's look at supports mm-hmm. and relationships because mm-hmm. yeah, man, like you said, it, if you didn't have those anchors, but what what families are taught sometimes or what we see is no, isolate them, cut off their relationship, right? You know? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I'm not saying we need to be shelling out money and being codependent. But sure, you can say yeah. I love you, uh-huh. I'm with you, I support you, I'll sit with you, right? As right. opposed to call me when you get sober. Yeah, you know, because a lot of times we have unhealthy connections with that person, giving money, over supporting, totally. overstepping, yeah. not holding them accountable, and then we're like, mm-hmm. "All right, peace out." No, mm-hmm. we just we can give emotional support, mm-hmm. social support, and that's what we need to do, right. ultimately. But yeah, like you, Jake, that was that was beautiful the way you put that, mm-hmm. man. It's those connection points. Those, you, you call them hooks. Yeah, like or like anchors. Anchors, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like anchors within my life and. Yeah, and I feel grateful because of them. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and I can identify them a little bit more right. and if it's a maturity thing right. or, or what that, I don't know. But recently it feels like, oh, if I didn't have all of these, like these handful of people in my life, oh yeah, I would be like just a selfish, you know right. what I mean? Like I, right. I, I, I would not be the person I am. Right. And, and I would be wildly isolated. I would be all these things mm-hmm. that would contribute, that would, I think would contribute to... Um, uh, uh, problematic. Problematic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you. Problematic. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Well, not to change the subject too much. No, you're but good. I, I, I kind of want to know what you think about how this might show up more for folks in the service industry. Good question. I have yeah. some theories about that. Yeah. 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 So, in, specifically with hair, it seems that the, and, and even I can even speak for myself, we inter. Um, we're so like we're we're creative so we tend to be open Mm. and then we're also emotionally open Mm -hmm. it seems and Mm -hmm. when we we can um clients will come in and say man i'm going through this like really gnarly thing Mm -hmm. and we internalize that Mm -hmm. and we feel the need to fix that Mm -hmm. because we're like making them feel better just through like this like visual this like vanity kind of side of it right and so i think it I, i i do think sometimes hairdressers barbers or really probably anyone who works similar like appointments type businesses like you you get like 
I internal like I don't know for me personally I would internalize it and then right. I would just like drink the sadness away or like right. you know what I mean or or, right. or the heaviness the heaviness of it right yeah. and so you're you're walking around with this like sense of heaviness all the time mm-hmm. just because like you just see what people are going through mm. and then. And like we don't have tools to deal with it, right? Right, because we're not therapists, right. you know, because we don't, because that's not what we do. Um, but then it just plays out in a way that's like, okay, we're just gonna go like party hard on the weekend, you know right. what I mean? Or I'm, right. yeah, I'm like four glasses of wine in, or I'm a bottle of wine in on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. after a long day at work because you know so and so's partner relapsed, and you know what I mean, and right. and and or so, someone died of COVID or various things you know and and usually the things that we're told they aren't these like long in-depth stories right but it's it's almost like that how headlines work now yeah it's like my brother died of covid oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry that happened to you what movie you seen this weekend you know what i mean so so, so, so there's not this like And I think it's I think it it it's really hard on people, you know, right. or like like we, we I think we just don't have tools, you know. Right, and it's not how we're designed to connect. Right, like we're not designed to yeah. have headline style relationships. Right, in which people tell us their terrible news, and mm-hmm. then in this isolated way, you know, sitting in your chair. Yep. Twenty minutes later, you've moved on to the next. You right. Know? And and you're just supposed to somehow integrate that really horrible news into your life with no social support helping you do so mm-hmm. no kind of like ongoing connection with this person that's going through something so difficult mm-hmm. it's just like man we are not designed as a species to kind of relate in that way yeah you know it just sounds like a lot of emotional residue mm-hmm. yeah, just, is, yeah. That's the best way no yeah like, like residue is a great word for yeah. it because it is just like it sloughs off on you right? and it, you know what i mean and and then like like oftentimes yeah. i'll just set my car for 30 minutes yeah. Wow. And and, and you know, and, and whether I'm just like staring at my phone or I'm doing something mindless right. to, to where like I can avoid, I have to like check out before right. I go interact with my family when I go home right. because I want to be present, present yeah. dad. Right. Like I don't want to be walk home and be like sad dad. You know what I mean? Even though I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and that leads to, cause what about isolation risks Boom. Yep. In, in, yeah. in the service industry, man? I'd love to know your experiences on, what what isolation risks are out there? We're hearing the emotional risks. Yeah. Right. So, so 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 kind of t- talk about isolation risk a yeah. little bit more, cause this is, so maybe I can understand it. Sure, sure. For instance, like isolated with your feelings mm-hmm. in your car, and yeah. it's like I better get rid of this residue before I get yeah. home. You know, yeah. and what if I don't? Yeah, almost like mm-hmm. that could be an isolation thing. Okay. Feeling like you can express that, or or what what could be some of those factors that might exacerbate or present mm-hmm. as. Mm-hmm isolation or reinforce yeah. isolation right so i um i think a lot of it comes into expectations of customer service mm. you know and so because you are as if you want to be really busy behind the chair specifically when i'm speaking for hair you kind of got to be guy about town or like like or like chick that knows all the cool restaurants mm. you know and so you kind of hide behind these like really uh, like facades, facades yeah. right? Of like, oh, have you heard about this new cool bar? Okay. You know, yeah. and, 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 and which is like fun and great and customers like that because then they feel like that they're connected to this like mm-hmm. relational side of the city, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. they live in and they want to be proactive mm-hmm. in it and all these things, even though 95% of people aren't. 
I know. You know, like nobody, know. like people don't go out on Tuesdays. You know what I mean? Like, like this is a very <laughs> small portion of people who are going out and, you know, in these, mm-hmm. in these things. And, and so I, 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 I would maybe say it's like a perception of what, and, and maybe that's the thing the hair industry needs to really talk about is, is like, Hey, like how, how are we functioning here? And then, mm-hmm. because I think we're all just really, really isolated, right? Like in, in our pursuits, just to like mm-hmm. provide for our families, you know. Right. Right. And, and and that might be in other industries as well. I don't know if like engineers deal with that or architects mm-hmm. or whatever, yes. you know. Yes. But but it does feel like there are. Um, I'm trying to think of some other like specific like to like to isolate like how we become isolated like within our. It industry. sounds like it's hard to have a bad day. No, it is. No, right. it's it totally is. There's not uh, much authenticity. There's not much authenticity. Or space for it, really. Yeah. yeah. Not if you want to build. <laughs> yes, n- not if you want to build, a and not if you want to be busy. Though. Yeah. <laughs> or, or even, or even just a, even no. just a blah day. It sounds like it's got to be an upbeat. It's got right. to like you got to carry the You're energy. A performer. Yeah. 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 Clients will match your energy. So, wow. so, so, so if if mm-hmm. if so, so David, if you sat in my chair, and and I was like, hey, how's it going? Come on over. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't make eye contact and I'm just like heavy. Like, in fact, so my, my grandma passed away on September 4th oh, and she died of old age. She had a beautiful long life. She d- was able to die in the home with dignity. It was, though it was very sad. It was best case scenario. Yeah. But around like leading up to it, she was in hospice and we're kind of like dialing into it. Like we knew it, we know it's coming, but I was still kind of trying to be like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, my grandma's about to pass away, but it's cool. She's had a great life, you know. Right. <laughs> and so, That's brutal, man. which is yeah. And then like, and then after, so, and then September fourth, she passed away. I was back at work on Tuesday, mm. and, and and also my kids had COVID too. So I was like kind of stressed out, and there was a lot of the, these like dynamics happening. And the week after, I guess so last week, yeah. So I guess last week, I was like fully ready just to sell my business and be like, I'm totally done with this. Mm. Mm-hmm. because like this is not mm-hmm. like this is not like what I'm doing here feels like this is not going well mm-hmm. but everything is going well hmm. so I'm like in my head about it right and I'm isolated in my emotions right because I don't express my like, the true mm-hmm. that's like man I'm super sad right now right you know You're in your own echo chamber yep I'm in my own echo chamber <laughs> yeah. yep mm-hmm. and so I have these like and so it plays out to where I have these big swings where it's mm-hmm. like I'm just going to go be a graphic designer or something sure. like something that like sure. I have nothing. Like, sure. I, I shouldn't do that. You know? Um, <laughs> well, it's a coping. It's a coping mechanism. mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're not, not Jake, you're doing a great, I'm hearing, I don't want to be present yes. with this yep. as we talk about substance use with yep. presence. And so with the service industry too, it sounds like there are times, man, when the facade, the pressure, the expectation, mm-hmm. the isolation, it's like, I just, I don't want to be present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yep. don't know. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it, it, and, and I think maybe if I worded it differently or if I didn't hold myself to this unrealistic standard of, um, I need to be chummy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Hey, mm-hmm. so glad to see you. You know what I mean? Come on in, you know, trying to get to know you guy. And I was really more probably sincere and honest with myself and, and was just like, Hey, yeah, come on over. You know what I mean? And, and, and allowed myself to not talk during appointments because right. always feeling the need to like carry mm-hmm. this, like, I was like, man, that was a great conversation, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so right. b- because clients like that, because right. it, cause it is like haircuts can be, um, like haircuts, I feel like can be the most awkward, just like the most right. awful customer right. service experiences. Mm. Right. And because it's sitting there, you're mm-hmm. sitting there and you can like, and so if you say nothing, 
They're How like, awkward is that? Yeah. We don't sit with our thoughts these days. Mm-mm. People don't know how to like. Amen. <laughs> I know. Like, like, like sometimes, like, every, and this is this is a funny situation. It's just, hy- it's not hypothetical, but sometimes it'll happen where the internet will go out and we won't have music in the shop. Just like white noise in the background. Mm-hmm. And customers squirm. <laughs> they can't, they can't mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so they become boisterous or they become, you know what I mean? Like right. trying to like create these like mm-hmm. kind of entertainment type so scenarios funny. in this really, and like, a, but what could be a thing where I probably even 50 years ago, let's just say 60, 70 years ago when there probably wasn't, they weren't playing music while you were getting your hair yeah. cut. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. Like that was probably not a thing until the seven, uh, yeah. 70s or 80s maybe, yep. you know? Yep. And so, or you're just listening to like radio. Right. You know, so so it's just like a kind of, and radio I think what it used to is probably more of a long form thing opposed mm-hmm. to like now how it's like short and fast and, mm-hmm. you right. know. I, I don't know if that gives any context well, to yeah. kind of what we've been talking what, about. What a stressful <laughs> balance too oh of I, pressure to connect. Yeah. But then I got to keep up this facade. <laughs> like it's, it, yeah. it sounds like a, it's just a oh. difficult dance of, right. I need to be social and connect and energetic, but I can't be authentic about it. Right. Yeah. Or else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah man. Exactly. Yeah. It oh. is a weird, yeah. Man. And it's just so funny how different that is from what I'm learning about my social persona. And I don't know mm. if you experience this as well, David, but like my partner will tell me at times, like, you know, people aren't that comfortable with silence. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes yeah. <laughs> cause yeah. I'll be in a group setting and I will just like the conversation will lag or someone will ask me a question yeah, and I will sit for several beats longer than is comfortable. Oof, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm like lost in my own thoughts, not even noticing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an occupational hazard. Like I am very comfortable with silence Mm -hmm. and, and what I'm recognizing is like, man, that is not normal. Yeah. Especially now in our culture, it feels like there's almost this frenetic, like Mm. filling up the space in conversation. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't keep up with it. Right. Or or just in general, like, Mm -hmm. no, it's funny. So my life before being a counselor, um, I was, you know, flat broke. So I took a job, first job I could get with an insurance company investigating claims. And they Mm -hmm. said, you know, just when you're, when you're investigating and interviewing people, just shut up. And I would just sit there and they would just fill it in and and they'd feel this pressure. And it's funny because sometimes the fraud cases, they just kept going and going and going and they would just, you know, end up telling on themselves because I would just sit there. Um, (laughs) But I, I, no, I don't do that as a therapist. As a therapist, I sit there because so people can sit with their feelings Mm -hmm. like you're talking about, Anna, you know, that, yeah, we are so uncomfortable. And, and I wonder, part of that, I think, is that pressure to connect. Mm-hmm. Part of it, too, is um, I, I have some clients that I'll give them, you know, a, a, the suggestion for an at-home exercise of mm-hmm. just sit in silence for 10 to 15 minutes yeah. and let me, you know, no mm-hmm. phones, nothing. Just yeah. sit with yourself. It's just really hard. I mean, we live in this this culture of constant simulation. I call it the Google culture where yep. I can get anything I want whenever yep. I want and I can just stay busy. Yep. And then I got my adult pacifier, which is my smartphone. Yep. So mm-hmm. I just think just sitting just in general with ourselves is just uncomfortable oh as hell. Yeah. Because if I'm sitting here, especially if I'm sitting with the three of you, a lot of times we'll, we'll sit there and think, oh, what's what's Anna thinking me? What's Jake thinking mm, me? I got to yeah, say something. Totally. I don't oh, yeah. know what to say. Yeah. And oh, if yeah. I don't say it right or if I don't make them laugh, then they're going to think. And it just, yeah. We, yeah. we spiral. Right. 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 Do you guys see phone addiction? Like, like, is that being discussed? Like, are people aware of that yet? Like, is that a thing? Oh, and what's so funny is it's not just phone addiction. It is social media on -hmm. your phone addiction, (laughs) which I think is like such a funny example of the way we crave social contact, 
but what what we actually end up getting in mm-hmm. these like snapshots of Instagram or, or TikTok or whatever is like these little bite-sized, carefully curated pieces of people's lives yeah. that might make us feel insecure, that might make yeah. us feel, you know, a, a need to conform, that might make us feel all of these different things that don't really have all that much to do with authentic and deep connection. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing or or might feel make us feel outrage and we become addicted to that outrage Ooh, yeah, yeah. as oh, yeah. we read these stories on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Manson outrage yeah. porn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. that outrage porn. And so it's like, man, what I'm finding is it's, it's not so much the addiction to the phone as it is the addiction to that kind of bite sized social experience mm-hmm. that hmm. becomes just like repetitively necessary yeah. um, that I keep going back to my phone for. Hmm. Yeah. And it's like junk food. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I yeah. can without getting deep connection or mm-hmm. or stimulation, I can just drive through McDonald's and I can get that cheap burger as opposed to going home and making my dinner with with vegetables. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. like that. And so, yeah, the phone, social media, mm-hmm. connection, mm-hmm. stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with it is it's actually like junk food. It's just empty calories because you're getting less and less exactly. connected, less and less quality stimulation because when it's hitting the fan and you in in you're in crisis, mm-hmm. you, are you going to rely on your Facebook friends or Instagram? No, you need that warm face to face connection. You need yes. to feel like somebody cares. I right. need to hear a voice. I need to feel a touch. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it, it's a quick, easy, dirty, pleasurable way the phone, mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. to get that hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but again, it's just a hit. It's right. not quality. It's right. it's right. junk food. Right. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we, I, I guess, how, how do we allow people to see that it's junk food mm-hmm. opposed to like mm-hmm. a carrot? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like sustainable, right. like, like, like healthy. Right. I, I sometimes will just slowly, and I don't know if you do this too, mm-hmm. David, slowly start working into my conversations with clients, this idea of taking a break mm-hmm. and, and, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Don't just leave a hole where your right. social media time used to be mm-hmm. kind of use that time for genuine connection mm-hmm. with folks. Even if right now that has to be over zoom or FaceTime or whatever, right. doing something where like you're making eye contact with another human and you are asking what's actually going on in their lives and they yep. are asking you and, you know, it's just, that's the connection we are wired for, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. that we are designed for. And I'm telling people like, you know, try to do that. Just just try it for a week yeah, and see how you feel at the end of that. But I'm not going to know what's going on. And, and you know, right. sure, sure, you're not. But yeah. I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world for you to go a week without knowing the kind of most current news. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it makes you outraged. Right. 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 Yeah. And I love insight work. I think a lot of times it's anxiety that that can be the block. It's a way to cope with the anxiety mm-hmm. of getting out there mm-hmm. and meeting people and, and being connected. I mean, that can be scary. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's be honest. I mean yeah. but also I love what you're talking about, Anna, this idea of um and I'm using the term loosely, but behavioral activation. We need mm-hmm. to I feel like in my mm-hmm. practice it's we need to behave differently. Right. And that's what's gonna build the confidence in in the different beliefs. And so you know, that idea of, I love, and it's it's such an old school thing. I didn't come up with this, but this week, say hi to five people. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't have to, we're not there yet. You don't have to start a conversation. Small right. incremental steps. Just 
look someone in the eyes and say hi. Or if that's mm-hmm. too scary, just say hi as you walk by. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> right. you want to build that dopamine loop yeah. because it, yeah. it's going to feel better and then mm-hmm. you'll reinforce our own behavior. So yeah, mm-hmm. practice saying hi to people. Practice picking up the phone and calling yes. instead of texting or sending right. an email. Mm-hmm. Practice walking into someone else's office and talking to them as right. opposed to emailing them. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if you notice that I I, I tend if I you see do. I just I just come I respond yep. to emails but like, just come yes. talking to you because I love it and it gets annoying to some people like some of my other jobs are like I just sent you an email why can't you send me an email back because like oh, no, no, dude come on man yeah. <laughs> let's just have a connection so yeah I love what you were saying Anna just these small incremental steps of just mm-hmm. connecting right to folks and just having real genuine authentic communication and a lot of that times too is just and they were talking about that in COVID playing mm-hmm. Connect Five was yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people like, you know, well, I'm, I'm scared to do it to new people. Well, connect to people in your past. Right. Mm. I, I, I don't, I can't say all of us, but a lot of us have people in our past that we haven't talked to mm-hmm. in forever. And just yeah. pick up the phone and call them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah, I, I love it. I had a friend back in grad school called the adult pacifier. Yeah. The phone. And I've, that's just always mm-hmm. stuck with me. Oh, that's, yeah. It, I mean, the, the common theme here, though, is like seems to be like connection, though. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and isolation. Right. Yes. Right. And like mm-hmm. that's the dynamic that creates these like problem, mm-hmm. these like problematic every time. like behaviors. Yeah. Every time we go back to the sort of research well, I think it was 2020, 2019, another survey came out or another study came out where people were like, oh, yep. Turns out what leads to problematic substance abuse, as we suspected, is not some sort of genetic predisposition it is lack of social connectedness yeah. well and, and that's amazing because i even yeah. tell myself well i've got an uncle that's an alcoholic right yeah i could be an alcoholic sure mm-hmm. sure and it has nothing to do with your Very dna little. yeah like i just kind of had an epiphany of, like yeah. i still have that narrative in my head uh-huh. that like oh because these four people right. in my 300 person family <laughs> for like the whole <laughs> no. tree you know what I mean? I know. Like, but they were just wildly isolated. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And even those people that, you know, my dad had a substance use problem. Mm. My mom had a substance use problem. Mm. I, I really got to watch out. Yeah. It's not so much because of some mysterious, you know, gene that's going to pull a trigger in your head. Right. It's because you grew up watching that. Yeah. In your parent as a way to cope. You grew up hearing the stories about oh that as a gosh. way to cope. This is like a you big know, deal for me. It's much more about learning and socialization than it is about some sort of like magical DNA, you know, that somehow like leaves you, you more vulnerable. You take a sip of alcohol and yeah. then yeah. you're on the street, it is. you know, yes. like that's yes. the... Because let's say there is, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. let's say there is, a, and, and some will argue tooth and nail right? Yeah. that it's a purely genetic, you know, because we went from the moral model of right. judgment to the medical model. Mm-hmm. Now you're just a disease. Right. <laughs> so right. It's the same thing. But, right? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. It's just kind of, well, you're, you're screwed, you know? Yeah. Either way, yeah. you're screwed. Either yeah. way, yeah. But I love, even though I, I think mm-hmm. anyone, okay, you want to argue it's genetic. There's still the, I love the stress diathesis model of, well, just because it's maybe genetically there, there's still environmental factors that need to happen right. to right. unlock those genes. Right. right. Trauma, stress, right. Uh, mm-hmm. parenting, you know, modeling, seeing mm-hmm. what your parents are doing. So yeah, okay, genetic component, sure. That's not a death sentence. Like there, there's still yeah. preventative factors in connection. Again, exactly. Probably the most preventative factor out there across mm-hmm. across the board. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. How are we doing on time? Oh. I'm great. I'm, I'm good I'm till okay. eleven. Yeah. I'm okay. Good till eleven. Okay. Yeah, same okay. Here. Cool. Uh, I wanted to, again, not to change the subject again, but I wanted to dive into. I think 
when you were talking about what it's like in the hair industry yeah, and mm-hmm. how it's, it's all about this performative, mm-hmm. isolated space that you get in just you and your client in the chair right. and how it's probably like that for all service industries that involve some sort of appointment, one-on-one setup. Mm-hmm. Think about how different that is for the restaurant or coffee industry yeah. where it's like, it's much more about this cohort of similarly stressed coworkers mm, yeah. who yep. are kind of all in this space together with a bunch of alcohol surrounding them mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, often right? Um, if you're in the restaurant industry. And, mm-hmm. and it's much more, I think, this like socially mediated, socially acceptable form of coping. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so problematic substance use becomes much less about being isolated in a in the traditional sense and much more about finding yourself in this space where it's like drinking is the way to do this yeah. drinking mm-hmm. is the way to get through yep. or you know cocaine right yeah. now is having this huge uptick in the u.s specifically but i think also in oklahoma see that yeah i've mm-hmm. i've recently experienced someone in my life who it's mm-hmm. like wow they've like they look really good they've lost a lot of weight they've mm-hmm. but then like they're telling me stories and i'm like oh right Oh, this right. is what's actually happening here. Right. You know, and and I, I can't go into like detail, obviously, you know, right. But it's a hugely socially mediated. I was going to say, I mean, even that becomes the way you're describing it, Anna. I mean, even that it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get my connection. Right. Through mm-hmm. this problematic right. substance use. I'm going to yeah. be a part of the tribe mm-hmm. or, or the mm-hmm. group or yeah. right. um, the party. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 again, one of the hardest, mm-hmm. t- you know, ways or one of the hardest ways to come off and quit is like, well, I'm going to have to change my social circle. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and especially with like, cause, cause I remember even in, in restaurant, like usually my experience in restaurant often like it was centered around alcohol, Mm -hmm. like whether I realized it or not, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And like, so when I first got in rest or when I was really young, I remember like, I would just go buy a beer before mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. why am I buying a beer before work? Right. You know what I mean? And then right. I would like kind of have a beer because I would do work doubles. So it was uh, like about 10, 15, 10, 30 to about 1, 1, mm-hmm. And there's a two or three hour lull and then about mm-hmm. a four to six or like four to whatever or mm-hmm. five to midnight mm-hmm. or whatever. And so you have this like three hour gap in the middle of the day where it's like, yeah, you haven't eaten yet. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. you go have like drinks mm-hmm. and then you eat, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But then you go back to work a little buzzed and then you get off work and, you know, right. so it does create this like, right. like, well, this is just how it is. Like all right. my friends, like this is super normal behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember in Boston when I was working in the service industry, they didn't close restaurants on Monday. A few of them would stay open. A few bars would stay open and it would be called industry night. Yeah. And people in the restaurant industry would just flock to these bars because it was like, this is the night where we can all, you know, let our hair down, enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's our Saturday night. But man, the toll that that would take on people. Sounds like it's a cultural thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's much more like this culture of work hard, play hard. And the way we play is surprisingly similar across yeah. restaurants across you know all right. these different groups of people we play by this kind of like use of substance yeah well mm-hmm. and, and and i've heard and again compartmentalized experience too especially getting tips like all of a sudden now you've got this cash burning mm-hmm. a hole in your pocket too is yeah. that a part of the play hard that's piece? it's there's always 
you know, I remember the, the guy who trained me how to cut hair, he would tell stories of he would, because in the 80s and 90s, you know, like you everything was cash. So, uh, so, so you would leave work with like 600 bucks, oh you know, because you just worked like a full day. Yeah. And you'd go to the bar and you would spend about $600 you know, oh, because, because you were the cool guy. Because you, yep. were, you were like drinks on the house. hairstylist. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. out and about. You know what I mean? Like you're, the, yeah, you're paying for everyone's drinks. Wow. And, and, and that was there. that They did that for years. Oh, my gosh. Like, like hairstylists in the 90s and into the like late and the early aughts were like kind of a different breed than right. they are now. Because now you can't like customers are smarter they're faster mm-hmm. they they know more about what to expect mm-hmm. and so like you can't really work a hungover anymore mm. and, and expect to be successful wow you, you could in the 90s huh. not anymore that's so funny you know yeah well it almost sounds like too i mean you're working as much as you are working doubles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably not a lot of opportunities or energy to connect Outside of work, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because you're, right. and and because I'm, I'm even me, I'm so emotionally drained by the end of the mm-hmm. day that like I have very little. Like, in fact, my wife will be like, "Hey, you want to go hang, get, grab dinner with so and so?" And it's like, I don't, I, d- I don't want to go fake <laughs> conversation. Yeah, right. Because the grid for my connecting with people is through my job. I you know, know what I mean? So I, it's like, so I have these like weird. I do get that. I'm, this is all stuff I'm working through, by the way. So. <laughs> and, and, and then we're talking about there's these cultural cultural norms yep. right. and mores of, like yep. you said, the party lifestyle. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If, if you and all of your coworkers are the only people you know who get off work at 1030 p.m. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to build a social circle that may have different habits, may yeah. have different norms, because right. they're already going to be in bed because they're getting up to work at nine a.m. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yeah, it's just such a different. You're, in in some ways, you are isolated, but you're yeah. isolated in this little pod mm-hmm. of people who all cope the same unhealthy way. Right. You know? Right. I think in the restaurants industry specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. So. Man. Cool. Anything else? Any other? Hmm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of yeah, any other like kind of like glaring. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I think. You, I don't think this so. This is kind of a weird question. Do you, do you all see pornography? Like, like in like, like as therapists, like is that like a because because I'll hear mm-hmm. peripheral things like in mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. stuff. It's like pornography addiction, mm-hmm. but like I don't know how prevalent that is, or if we even consider it an addiction mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That so many people are using it or mm-hmm. or using it in ways to cope, maybe or mm-hmm. to connect. You know, and it, and. We can also not talk about this too. So it was just something I like in the back of my mind. I mean, I see uh, some, and it's 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 this interesting line between like I'll see some who folks who they're they're talking about deconstructing okay. from their um, religious beliefs, and in particular maybe evangelical okay. religious beliefs. Okay, and so they're walking this fine line between, you know, well, just because I looked at pornography once or twice this week that means i'm an addict and i'm terrible and i'm um yes so i do see that of folks just struggling come to terms of okay what's probably not problematic behavior but more Uh they're they're deconstructing their own beliefs they're just kind of yeah around it they're working that out yeah now if it's severe enough though i know typically i i refer out to specialists okay in that case yeah um if it's if it's you know, severe enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, quite similar to what I might do in a substance use case. If, if someone is so severe, then we might look at, you know, more of an intensive outpatient uh, program or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I probably see more of that though, of folks just coming 
to acceptance and in, in, in a more flexible perspective in, mm-hmm. on looking at pornography as opposed to, well, this is actually problematic mm-hmm. uh, behavior that's getting in the way of my relationships and connection points mm-hmm. right. um, and just mm-hmm. embracing that. Well, no, some fantasy is, is healthy. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. it can be very healthy, you mm-hmm. know, it can help curb actually maladaptive actual behaviors with other exactly. people. So mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest thing I see. Hmm. seeing a lot of that deconstructing beliefs yes yep I see a lot of that too I see it's funny where I see people identify their pornography use as problematic is when it is occurring in a space that feels isolated Mm. like my partner doesn't know about this and I don't want to talk about it yeah my all of these kind of different things are sort of like holding them up Mm. from it being integrated in any kind of healthy way and I mean, I think pornography is like the last untalked about thing. Sure. It kind of feels because there's not a ton of, Mm -mm. you know what I mean? Like, like you don't, Mm -hmm. because you always hear drug abuse, substance abuse, but like there's all these other things, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, food addiction. More comfortable to talk about nicotine addiction. You're not hearing that with pornography because people don't want to talk about it. It falls into that kind of area of shame Mm -hmm. and into the area of like, sexuality which we don't talk about right so it's right. like yeah. kind of both of those meeting and man it, it is off the table isn't it weird that like society feels more sexualized than it mm-hmm. than like ever before mm-hmm. but i feel like nobody talks about it in a way right. that's like healthy and productive and right. it's like and from respectful and respectful and, yes yeah. yeah it's always these like yes really crass conversations yes. yeah mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and almost in like a comedic kind of way, right. you know what I mean? Right. Which, but, or it's this like, just like real weird hush hush. Yeah. This right. kind of opposite where like, we're just mm-hmm. not even going to like right. it right. acknowledge it exists, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It happens so infrequently that it's done well. You're right. I mean, it's, it's either very Puritan or yeah. satirical, Yeah. It, it, but in, it, it's either deviant or not. You know, we, yeah. we, we get into that black and white right. thinking and I mm-hmm. think just getting more flexible about you know, polyamory. I have conversations with, with my students about, you know, no, polyamory is not bad if it works. Hey, I mean, mm-hmm. monogamy has got its problems too. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's just look at that. It's, it's, it's just getting more flexible in our thinking about human sexuality and gender as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know those are two very different separate or separate things, sure. but, um, we kind of intertwine those two sometimes. So it's just getting more flexible and and seeing things on a spectrum mm-hmm. as opposed to, Mm-hmm. Right, wrong, good, bad, deviant, normal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the, yeah, I'd say socially, we definitely are very biopic in our thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the idea of like seeing it as a spectrum is, is like unique because it, it's not this, it doesn't put this like these like moral mm-hmm. constraints on it. And it's like, well, that person functions like this. Mm-hmm. That might not be right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm not going to say that out loud because I, because it might sound dumb, but like I, it, it, it's just like an interesting. Right. Like it, it's an inter like it's to, to apply that right. to like just different phases, like different mm-hmm. things in life. Because mm-hmm. I think about fundamentalism a lot, mm-hmm. and like in in like either like religious circles or even like political fundamentalism, mm-hmm. and it seems like fundamentalism can't handle nuance. Right. And the the idea of the spectrum allows people to deal with nuance. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. so and so and we're not really talking about politics or religion, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like. Like the the idea of the spectrum is fascinating to me mm-hmm. because it feels like a little more. It feels like a better mode of being, mm-hmm. you know. Even with substance use, you know. Yes. It, yeah. It, it, we, yeah. It's more fluid, you know. Right. Yeah. 
sexuality, more fluid, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. pornography, we look at it on a spectrum because mm-hmm. we're going to fluctuate throughout mm-hmm. our lives and really anything. I mean, look at yourself right. five years ago, you've right. fluctuated, you've changed yeah. because without the spectrum, we really try to look at things concretely, mm-hmm. right. you know, yep. with, you know, I've had clients struggle with, oh, am I heterosexual? Am I homosexual? Am I bisexual? You know, it's like, well, let, mm-hmm. let's look at this on a spectrum. Yeah. Let's let's look at this on a mm-hmm. continuum that there's mm-hmm. fluidity there. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, Jake, exactly. It, it, it just allows us to fluctuate, be fluid, and just kind of try and be different on any given day. Yeah. Hmm. That's really interesting. Good conversation. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Hmm. I feel like that was a good episode. Yeah. Like if you know what I mean, like because I, I felt like we kind of hit hit, hit a I lot of stuff. Yeah. There was nothing that like I felt like left out. It uh-uh. Talked about no. service industry. You know, yeah, it kind of hit all good. the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Cool. All right. Well, if Thanks that if I'm good. Yeah. Cool. Or if if you guys are good, I'm good. So okay. That's what I was gonna say. Cool. All right. No, I'm good. And and I'm thinking too for the. For the next 